0: Welcome to episode number 16 of Developer Melange, the podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Melange brings regular discussions about everything in software development.
1: You can find us online on developermelange.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter via at devmelange, that's dev, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We are
0: very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So reach out for us on Twitter or leave your comments on our website. We appreciate all your feedback. And now here your hosts. My name is David Leitner. I call myself an enthusiastic software professional working in a bunch of different stacks, preferring code simple and small instead of clever and edgy.
1: Hi, I'm Peter Kovler. I'm the code corp. Obviously, I'm fanatic about code quality.
0: And today we have our guest again here, Thomas. He was already here in the last episode when we talked about Rust. Um, could, I, could I again ask you to, to give a short introduction about
2: yourself, Thomas? Yeah, so um, my name is Thomas, um, and I call myself a, a generalist software developer because I always had a broad interest in uh, looking into all kinds of different technologies, just to um, get a sense of um, how they relate to each other and uh, how different how ideas are differently implemented in different technologies. And um, yeah, so uh, two technologies I uh, recently got myself into about a year ago are uh, Rust and blockchain. And so I moved to Sydney in April 2018, and I'm working for a blockchain research lab there where we work on uh, connecting blockchains with each other.
0: You connect blockchains to each other. Yes. Okay.
1: <coughs> Sounds very chainy, right? It's like <laughs> co- connecting buzzwords. Uh, no, sorry for that. Um, I still have no idea what what's this blockchain about, like uh, seriously. Uh, besides, uh, gold gold rush thing. So.
0: Well, I, I think the interesting thing is, I mean, that that the, the big hype bubble somewhere was last year, right? When when uh, Bitcoin price was very high and then there were were these headlines about the the energy costs and then all the disadvantages people tend to see it with blockchain and i remember we were talking about this um a couple of months ago um and you said well actually it's it's maybe a big opportunity for the blockchain itself to to get out of this hype and to really focus on the stuff where it's useful for so what do you think is the blockchain really useful for
2: so I think the best way to summarize it is: it's it's always useful if you have a scenario where two people or two parties don't trust each other, and you somehow need to find some consensus or you need to agree on something.
0: So in each business-to-business um, business relation, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, hopefully not. Um, but yeah, actually, in in kind, in kind of way, yes. So um. It's like money transfer, which is like the basic use case um, that everyone associates associated with is one of those, right? So that's what what we have banks for at the moment, which is like I trust my bank, you trust the bank. I don't necessarily trust you, but I trust that if I instruct the bank to transfer your money, that uh, you will receive it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I can offload this responsibility and you cannot like... um, sue me of like oh you never paid me the money I was like oh, because I can go to the bank and request like please show me that you transferred their the money to David and they were like yeah here's the receipt right
0: yeah I I like this example and I hear it a lot honestly um, but isn't it funny that especially uh, those big companies like uh, let's say 10x um, which you're working for all the companies like Facebook which are also working on their own currency um, again using these techniques but the owner of this blockchain will ultimately again be a central place mm, or Organization. Well,
2: you, you have to differentiate between uh, open public blockchains and uh, private blockchains.
0: What's the use case of a private blockchain? If it's private, why do I need a blockchain?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Um, so I guess one, one use case I can see is um, if you look at private blockchains, all it really is is um, <clears throat> or you can compare it to like a system where you implement event sourcing in a kind of standardized way. So um, uh, the, the thing about blockchain is it's just opinionated that you have transactions and that you have immutable data structures. Um, and so you have just an accumulating state and you always reason about the last state and then if you can do some things. An advantage of a private blockchain is that obviously you can um, choose how do you validate what is the current state and how do you find consensus? So you don't necessarily have to use proof of work, which is the consensus algorithm that all, everyone always associates with like, oh, this burns so much energy. Yes. Um, if you don't need the safety that you get from that, then you can always roll with a different blockchain that uses proof of stake or, um, or other consensus algorithms that just don't require this amount of energy, but you just have to be aware that you're, lo- you're losing some security with that um so one one advantage of a private blockchain could be you just want to use this kind of standardized technology it's not really standardized but it's uh, it's always the same patterns kind of um to just implement your um business logic and make it easier to integrate with others um in, compared to just uh building a system from scratch so it's For a new example.
0: service bus right
2: uh well <laughs> It's not, yeah. it's not really a service bus, but like in, in a very abstract way, yes. <laughs> <Service bus.
1: laughs> yeah, that would be another password, right? So the service bus was some amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the blockchain no,
0: service like... bus is coming to down oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm already oh here. I'm still confused um, because I didn't, I didn't look in this uh, topic yet. Uh, maybe I should. But so what, what exactly is that blockchain? What does it mean? Like, uh, is it like a tool, or is it a, is it a server, or is it? A...
2: It's a it's a combination of
0: Shabos um, module. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so
2: it's a it's a peer-to-peer network application. So it's um, yeah, it's it's application that you run on your computer um, and everyone else as well, um, and it compu- communicates um, directly between all the different peers. And um, it, uh, yeah, it's you can think of it like event sourcing. So you're sending around events, which can be transactions, and uh, based on these, based on these transactions, state accumulates, right? And this, and all these transactions are packed into a block, and these blocks are chained together through um, linking, uh, through linking them with a pointer, and the pointer is actually the hash of the previous block
0: actually it's pretty simple but, but what I found interesting yeah, about yeah, Peter's yeah. question is what is really if you talk about the blockchain is it the technology is it somehow because you also said it's standardized or are it the implementations or is there no differentiation in this is it word?
1: A How protocol you it? that now sounded more like a protocol or is it an algorithm or is it a template for an algorithm is it a design pattern like an architecture pattern what is it
2: mm. Hmm. I would say it's the closest thing that makes sense is a technology yeah that
0: uh really but you can you can totally implement the blockchain technology agnostic you can do it do whatever you want right you can even do it on on a piece of papers um
2: hmm. no, I, don't depend, know. I don't know maybe I've got the wrong definition of the term technology but uh it's basically uh it's got a, it's got a few main components that i would say need to be present in order to call a piece of software um uh, or to, to so that a piece of software is able to produce a blockchain um and i think the most like if you just take the literal word then the most accurate description is a data structure it's a, blockchain yeah, that's is what I, a data yeah. structure it's a ledger right it's so a ledger it, that records
1: things so it's like git git is a git repo a blockchain then because I heard that it's kind of mm-hmm. these uh, this hashes that also uh, distributed version control uses are very similar to that. So it's, it's what, what's missing there?
2: I'm not a Git expert, but I think Git commits are not linked to each other, right? They're independent. So um, but, it's not a
1: change. But they contain the hash of the previous repo. So you cannot use a commit on another place than when it was added.
2: Um, so if, it's, that's the, it's, if that's the case, then it's probably a similar data structure. It um, contains
1: it contains the full history, and if you cherry pick it, then it's a different commit. It just has the same yeah, exactly. uh, sure. same changes. So that, so it's a, yeah. a similar data structure. Okay, so we have blockchain contains a kind of data structure that has this historic thing, right? So it's this block. Is
2: that the, the chain of blocks? Is that the data structure?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think that's the point, right? So the, the
2: two main the two main data structures are a transaction it's like um, just one event and yeah, then okay. you accumulate I mean. multiple of them into a block and then you chain those blocks together all right okay um, and then what what's happening with that um and you then you and then the the okay maybe let's, let's start with a use case um so that it's easy to explain um if you have uh if you have two parties let's say, Alice and Bob, and Alice wants to send money to Bob, uh, she creates a transaction, right? And she signs the transaction with her private key, um, which uh, will make it impossible for anyone else to fake that actually, um, that actually that Alice would send money. So that's where the private key comes into play. So only Alice has a private key, and she can sign the transaction, um, and then she broadcasts the transaction to the network. And then a miner picks up the transaction, and puts it in a block and tries to append the block to the to, to the blockchain. So like basically linking it to the previous one. And then um, at least in Bitcoin, the miner has to come up with um, a proof of work, which is nothing else other than they incrementally um, or they, they increment the nonce and always hash the whole block again until the hash of the block fulfills a certain criteria, which is a number of leading zeros. And because hashes are a one-way function, you cannot predict what you have to put into the hash function so that you actually get like five zeros in the beginning. Right? But the interesting part is, if you have the content of the block, it only takes you one single hash to verify that, yes, this block actually has this much proof of work. And um, once a miner finds such a block, which is not deterministic, right? it's like not, you don't know how long it takes, you then broadcast it to the network, to every node, even to Alice's and to Bob's, um, and um, everyone verifies is this valid, right? And uh, if yes, then this state uh, update is applied on everyone's uh, on everyone's node, and this means Alice's transaction to Bob actually worked. So because if you now accumulate the state, Bob now has money that he didn't have before, and then the whole thing starts again, right? Anyone, someone wants to send a transaction, sends it to a miner. It's put into box again
1: does bob also has have to sign this no no uh, and They're it's saying... and it's valid because a third party kind of certified it um the
2: what, what minor, do you mean with like, third party yeah the minor, yes, but...
1: That's a, but it's it's any third party so it's not like a, a shared authority like uh the, the, like the yep. root certificate uh, company but it's like anybody could do that and because it needed to do certain work uh, it's not that easy so we cannot uh, do it for fun like it's not it's it's too hard yeah
2: so uh the miner actually so anyone can be a miner like you can just run it on your computer um there's a few problems coming in with that but potentially it will be possible um and the miner actually gets a reward right so if the miner finds a block he actually gets money from that and that's how new bitcoins are created um so basically uh, finding a new block includes a transaction a so-called coin based transaction where the miner gives themselves money right so it okay. just in uh, it started uh, with 50 bitcoin and
1: yeah, and, the, and taught... they had they had to do that because they need need arbitrary third parties to like certify their transactions right yeah that,
2: you need to have idea. some incentives
1: to yeah like, otherwise nobody would do that because it's like yeah um
0: Interesting. So it's actually an integration platform, right? An integration between different systems. Is this correct? Mm-hmm. Is it an event store? It's an yeah. It's it's hard. I to wouldn't, I wouldn't say.
2: I wouldn't say it's an integration because that's actually uh um that would be very misleading. Once I would start talking about uh, what we actually do, because each blockchain is its own system, yeah. and that's well, actually but... something. Yeah, but See also that,
0: Kafka a Kafka, which is mainly used for integration or an event store which is used for integration is, is already in no all system. I think we just need to get rid of this idea that integration is just um, one-to-one and there is no system in between. that That's why I meant integration, but you're right, it's misleading,
1: yeah. Because it's, it's peer-to-peer, right? Because it's peer-to-peer, yeah. there is no central yeah. Kafka. So there is no, everybody has everything or potentially yes. has everything.
0: Yeah. Ah, okay. uh, yeah, you're right, you're uh, right, yeah.
2: The reason it why it's yeah. the reason why it's not integration um, uh, is because all the guarantees that you get from a blockchain are only valid within the blockchain. Mm. As soon as you leave the system, right? As soon as you build a system that depends on the blockchain, um, you actually uh, your guarantees are only as strong as the as the way you integrate with the chain, right? So if I if I write a website that displays how much money some addresses have, um. Anyone could hack that website and put something else there. right? The blockchain can't enforce what is on the website. It only can enforce things within its own system. Mm. And that's actually what makes most use cases with blockchains uh, quite hard. And also many of the ideas that um, floated around in 2017 and 2018 um, of the big hype where it didn't really make sense to use blockchain because all the things we were like, okay. you're losing all the security as soon as you move, as soon as you integrate with your system. So there's no real need for all this stuff to do it on a blockchain. You can just use the shared database.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you know, I work a lot with with banks usually and, and the blockchain is always a hot topic. there, And they have a lot of yeah. labs on, on how banks can profit from, from blockchain. The only question I ask myself, I mean, and I think you're right. A bank can be replaced by a blockchain not all the services of a bank but the, the trust part and the ledger part can be a fully automated blockchain right mm-hmm. the, the question is why actually banks would not do this because why right they, they don't have a reason to support this so who, who has this Trust or authority, maybe even authority, that he can come up with such a system which is totally autonomous and and uh, actually uh, yeah. run by um, the by the community, right?
2: So the way I see it, which is probably not shared with uh, all uh, blockchain people, especially not uh, Bitcoin maximalists, which think Bitcoin is the one and only and everything else is a scam. Um, is that uh, I think there will always be banks, right? There will always be banks because there will always be the need from uh, users to um, exchange some privacy and exchange some um, security for convenience, right? So uh, I think it will just be different companies. So uh, 10x, for example, the company I work for, we are a bank already. We got the e-money license, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, legally, um, it's, an, it's a financial institute. It's a bank. Um, so, uh, but we are just using blockchain to offer the services. Right? It's a, it, we offer a, 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 a crypto debit card where you can convert crypto to fiat. Um, so
0: but if you have, they, again, a bank in the middle of all these transactions, why do you need the blockchain?
2: well in this case it's just to uh bring people in the into the ecosystem and uh i think one of the big advantages that you will eventually have is um i can at any point move the money that i have um on the on the wallet of 10x to an address that i actually own right and then no one else can take the money away from me Uh, i don't have this possibility with um uh, with the current bank right you cannot just if you go to a bank and you tell them "I want all my money," it's like uh what especially it's like it's it's probably gonna be hard, especially if you're like a company or whatever um the underlying technology just doesn't support it so what I think will happen is that banks, if they wanna stay relevant, they will just gradually replace their backend infrastructure um with a blockchain or a blockchain like system um that maybe is not um, maybe is not a public one because it would be too expensive to run, but maybe a private one. But just because the way the technology is set up makes it so much easier to integrate it with other um, with other systems that it um, yeah has many benefits.
0: Okay. I never heard this argumentation. It's interesting. I mean, I cannot fully follow it because you can also build a system which, uh, which is not based on a blockchain, which allows a company to take all its money from a from a bank, right? Uh, uh-huh. So yeah, I it, mean, well, of course, of course, most of the it, core banking systems are very old and would maybe not support it. But this doesn't mean that you directly have to jump on a uh-huh. blockchain, right?
2: You don't directly have to jump on it. And yeah, I mean, in theory, you can build any system, right, as long as it's uh, theoretically possible. The question is just: Is it is it worth the cost, right? I guess for big banks, replacing the whole thing uh, or adding an adding another integration with another service that has another custom API is just eventually not feasible. Um, I mean, at the moment, the banks are forced with um, with these uh, new EU law to to provide certain APIs, yeah. and I guess you working with them, you you know what a hassle it is for them to actually come up with all this stuff.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get, I, I think I get somehow the point, but what I, w- what I wouldn't be able to, to I don't know, communicate to a CTO or a board member, is why we shouldn't just use an event store instead of a blockchain, right? Why do we need the security mechanisms and also the additional costs of a blockchain if we can fully control it? Why don't we just set up a an, an simple event store, or something like this? That's what I, what I want. What I don't understand in, in your argumentation.
2: Um,
0: because what you're saying I, is, I mean, the new ledger of a bank should always or could always be a blockchain. I think it's true, but it doesn't necessarily have to, right?
1: What's a of ledger? Course. Like uh, <laughs> ask, asking a dummy question again. So what's a ledger?
0: Ledger is the, the 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 Hauptbuch. I mean, the book where you know you get all the money in and out, and at the end you have a sum. Do you know what I mean?
1: And so that must, A log of transactions. Like from, and then the, con- the control book, and then it must yeah, exactly. be zero, right? And that's the, is that the ledger? Exactly. It must always be zero because each transaction has an opposite transaction.
0: Well, it must yeah. not be, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you do a because double ledger, then it must be zero, yeah.
2: The, the way we describe it is like it's a ledger records the ownership of assets, right? So it records who has how much. And that's it and it's always it's like the source of truth for your system and yeah. um, a blockchain is a ledger but not every ledger is a blockchain so blockchain. and er- every yeah. bank has some form of a ledger because every bank has to record what are all the balances of um, of the accounts of all the people
1: yeah but are, like the blockchain ledger is is based on its history so it's not it doesn't have state it only has history right Yes. If I, I want I the understand. current, if I, if I want the current balance, I have to go through all of the history to like to find the current value. Yes.
0: But the same is true for event stores, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, and now I see that's the reason you're coming up with event store all the time because you're <laughs> like uh, you're, you're projecting that the ledger is like kind of the projection of the event store, yeah. the current uh, current uh, for now, right? So it's uh, yes.
0: I just don't see the the advantage of a, of a private. Blockchain versus an event store—that
1: that's the point. Uh, in, I don't it, get this because you mean in the event store you could also sign each event that would also like guarantee that the event came from a certain uh, system inside or from a, was signed by a certain party, right? Because the signing uh, yeah. itself is the private key. It's not. It's not part of blockchain idea. Yeah, Just but that's,
0: that was, that, that's, that's actually the point, right? Why do you need this certainty in a private environment?
1: Um, well, there's, I there's mean, one. you
0: also do not sign all your, your database records, right?
1: But you could uh, if it's cheap, uh, bec- but because you do have access control also inside of your company, not everybody is allowed to do everything.
2: Yeah, there's there's one interesting thing um, or one analogy that I, uh, oh, that I sometimes used to describe how Bitcoin works, and I would call it, it's like, it's the way digital cash is meant to be. So, um, for example, if I have a 5 euro note, and I give it to you, David, then it's spent, right? I cannot double spend it, and you now own the money. And um, this is the kind of guarantee that uh, a blockchain gives you, right? If I spend money, it's spent, and it's, and and that's it. I can no longer double spend it, and you automatically own it. Whereas in a um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Whereas in, in a in a in a regular database, you always have this race condition. Ah, okay, reduce the current uh, um, or reduce the balance first, and then uh, um, increment it over there, and make sure that it's rolled back and all this kind of stuff. Um, and that's why like event sourcing is like a very good pattern for um, for banks to implement to for their ledger because it also has this property of atomicity. Um, So that either the transaction happened or it didn't happen. And so um, I think you, you just have to get rid of the idea that blockchain is some kind of magic thing. It's just an application of a few software developer uh, or software patterns. And it just makes up in the end with the combination, you get some kind of, um, you get a few nice properties. So as you said, yeah, you can do. A pro- an event store or a private blockchain, and it's you get the same things, kind of almost.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so is is this 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 whole blockchain topic? I mean, I mean, there was this paper, right, from from somebody we still don't know who he is, who who wrote how a blockchain should work. Is this really new? Do you know? that there were no systems before building up on this idea of, of hashing the previous stuff and, you know, getting somehow a signature? Because I, I'm just asking because I saw a couple of weeks ago and an, an core banking system written in COBOL, and I'm not fully aware of COBOL, but what they actually implemented is they implemented an... an PP Fine to, to say it in German, <laughs> Event Store, right? They really they really implemented event sourcing. Um, I don't know, 35 years ago. Um, and I think when you've, and you, you said this again, I think when you really see a blockchain the first time, it is very buzzwordy and there's a lot of hype and advertising material around it. So it's really hard to get to the meat, which is interesting from a developer mm-hmm. perspective. But once you understood it, it's a pattern which you actually can easily grasp. I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy, but yeah. you, you get the idea how, how this stuff works yeah. and, and what these miners do and and, and and things like this. So didn't we already used this somewhere before in, in different industries? Are you, do you know this? Because this um, would really interest me.
2: There was quite some prior art to that, actually. I don't know about everything, but one thing, for example, was hashcash, um, was um, an idea that people had even before the the Bitcoin paper um, was written by um, Satoshi Nakamoto, the exactly. guy that yeah. we don't know who it is. Um, Tell
0: Musk I read. And- Another day, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, and so, I think it was basically it wasn't it was an evolution of ideas. Obviously, it was not just like the Big Bang. Um, and as you said, this this pattern of um, an event store and uh, reasoning about reasoning of state uh, based on history is. It's not something that's super novel, right? And it's like, it's something that if you have a problem and you think about it as an engineer, you can come up with this as a solution, even if you've never heard of event sourcing before. I'm pretty sure because it's like, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. It's it's not that hard by itself. The interesting thing that Bitcoin combined was um, this data structure combined with um, the right economic incentives so that Mm. the different parties in the system actually do their work without being told to do so plus this uh, way of preventing the double spend problem, which is the most crucial part of a financial system of like, you can only spend money once, right? So to ensure integrity and the combination of these aspects were what made uh, Bitcoin work in the very beginning.
0: Mm. Well, this was an amazing summary. I have to say, I really liked this. I really, I really had the feeling that I, I learned a lot during this episode. So we had at 30 minutes straight, um, Um, Thank you, Thomas, um, again, for for this this really good introduction uh, to give us, I think, a really good technical insight and and also the message that people shouldn't be afraid of the word blockchain, right? They should just give it also a try because I think people are already very opinionated even if they don't know what it is. They don't want to take a look at it because they say it's a buzzword, it's a hype. Mm Um that it takes the whole energy of Ireland <laughs> <These are> the <laughs> three things you usually here so but I think it's it's worth to mention that it's actually a very interesting idea and pattern or technology I want to
2: call it yeah. so it's let's actually it's also the reason why um, I really like my current job because it's like it's just a very fascinating technology just from a pure engineer perspective Um that allows you to do many things right it's like there's there's no race conditions, right? You always have a source of truth um, and um, and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, I don't know, should I also quickly um, summarize what I actually do? For, for sure, sure? Or, <laughs> clear. You know? So, um, the whole part about connecting uh, the blockchains um, is, what I mentioned before, is that blockchains are isolated systems, right? So, you cannot make any assumption inside a blockchain about what happens outside. Um, And so what we try to do is uh, we try to implement a system that allows you to um, send transactions on two different blockchains and couple them together so that they happen atomically. So Mm -hmm. if, for example, we take the two blockchains, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, and uh, let's say you own some Bitcoin and I own some Ether, then you can send me Bitcoin conditionally on the fact that I send you ether and only if both of those transactions go through, we actually own the money. Otherwise the transaction is um, not reverted in a sense of deleted, but like there's a counter transaction made that um, nullifies it again. And um, so that's the system we build. And the way we build it is uh, it uh, preserves all the security properties that you have if you would be only on one chain. And that's quite interesting because um, it's not that sure of just sending money,
0: right. So do you still look for developers in your company or in your project?
2: Um, yeah, we're, we're still actually actively hiring. Um, yeah. because I this
0: leads us I think this leads us to the second question, right?
1: Yeah. Um, so let me uh, take it from here because after the technical thing, it's time for the this time. And for this time, uh, we wanted uh, not to talk about community this time, because this time we will. Uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> uh, sorry for that joke. Uh, yeah, uh, that is... uh, uh, late. and uh, <laughs> uh, I really wanted to ask you, like, how is it? Because uh, as I understood you correctly, you moved from Austria to Australia, right? Yes. Because like you got a job in Australia. And uh, so, so how did that go like how is it about moving in technology to another country for a job?
2: That's, yeah, uh... so in my situation it was pretty easy because um, the job offer I received included relocation. Um, so for, um, and if you have that then you can apply for um, a so-called sponsorship visa which means a company goes to the Australian government and says well we have this person over there and we would like them to work for us. And so um, can they get a visa? And then the whole process starts. Um, And uh, if you have enough experience and you're actually qualified for the job, then um, uh, you get the visa. And, but the interesting thing is maybe it's like, it's coupled together. So if I, for some reason would lose my visa, means I would lose my job. So that's stated in my contract. And if I lose my job, then I lose my visa. And that's the condition that the Australian government um, puts on. So you cannot just bring someone into the country and then have them work for something totally else. Um, So that that doesn't work. Um, And it's actually the procedure is, I think, actually very, very similar in in Austria. You have like the the red, white, red card. um, And it's basically the same thing. You can hire someone if you cannot fulfill certain
0: Outside the European certain positions,
2: Union, right? Yes, alter yeah, right. the European Union.
0: That's a big advantage, yeah. I think. That's a, that's yeah. a, big, a, that's a big difference. So, that's a big
1: advantage. But that's big, like that's the, the European uh, Union. That sounds pretty like uh, easy. So, like, was there any problem for you? Mm. Like, this really is straightforward. <clears> I find a job somewhere. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to Hawaii because I like windsurfing or, and I'm looking for a job offer there. And then and that's it, moving and working. And... No problem?
2: Yeah, it, it was, it was I would say, fairly easy for uh, for two reasons. One, um, I already uh, uh, knew some people in Australia, so moving there didn't mean for me to just be completely on my own. So I guess that helps from a personal perspective um, if you don't have to get started in the city without knowing a single person. Um, so that was fairly easy. And also, um, I think, especially in our field, IT, uh, it's it's almost a, a a wanted position everywhere in the world so like finding a job as a developer is not that tricky um, it's much more it's 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 much harder for other brand for other fields right so I guess as a developer um it should be fairly easy to um apply for a job in a in a, in in another country and if they're um, if they are willing enough to <clears throat> or if you're say if you're good enough, then they might actually invest in moving you over.
1: Yeah. So you know, so that's uh, because I'm still scared. So the whole idea would uh, would scare me. Uh, so you said um, having some local friends helps. So that, yeah. Uh, so what what would be other things that that you think uh, uh, are really helpful in in this uh, for such a undertaking?
2: Mm. I guess speaking the language which in australia is not that hard i mean the accent is kind of weird in the beginning (laughs) but in the city it's actually not too bad um so yeah speaking the language obviously helps and also i guess there's almost no other country where it's so easy to move to like australia because it's it's a first world country um you've got everything you want maybe you don't cannot enjoy some local food anymore that you're used to from austria but I guess at some points it's got to have some downsides. Um, so yeah, if if the if you I would say if you enjoy living in, in, in that country and you can speak the language and there is job offers that you are willing to take, then I don't see any any big blockers on on doing it. It's amazing.
1: Um, well, I find it amazing. So, so did you always have the idea that you would go up road and uh, like uh, go far, far away and do some crazy stuff uh, at the other side uh, of the world, which it almost is from Austria. It's like, yeah, it, well, for, it is well,
2: almost.
1: For
0: almost the other 80 side of the world. percent of the population, it's <laughs> the same country, right?
1: Say that what again? do you mean?
0: For 80 percent of the world population, Australia and Austria is the same country. Ah,
1: so uh, <laughs> yeah. was
2: physically staying home. Uh, yeah, I was like I, I, I got a T-shirt from my uh, former colleagues, like that says "There's no kangaroos in Austria," so like I can inform everyone. It's like where I come from is almost similar, but we just don't have kangaroos. <laughs> um, can can t- you ask but, a question again? Peter? tell because me, I, like, I was it was it
1: always your plan, or did it just ah, yeah. come up because the job offer looked cool, and then everything worked out? And I still can't believe it's just like a snap, and then and, and off you go.
2: So like, um so actually uh, I had the total opposite plan so um, when when I finished my degree um, I wanted to, I thought like okay now like life starts in Vienna and I'll just go find a job and uh, maybe buy a flat whatever um, but as always like with if you start making plans in in life uh, life happens um, so um, I was talking to a former uh, friend of mine and um, then we came across or he he came up with this idea of like hey do you actually want to would you be willing to move to australia um um and and work in this position i was like hmm i don't know it's pretty far away i like vienna i'm not sure but uh in the end like thinking about it I was like uh, yeah that's actually a pretty pretty cool opportunity and pretty cool chance so i'll I'll take my chances and apply um and yeah worked out so and I'm pretty glad I did it. Like looking back, it's uh it wasn't, it wasn't, is still an amazing experience.
1: So, like to sum up what you said, it's like uh, don't be afraid, just take opportunity. Uh, there's, it's no problem for us, basically moving somewhere else, doing computer stuff. All right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it depends on on, on the person, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm but just... in general, if you wanna do it, it seems like don't be afraid, just go for it.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you, it doesn't have to be Australia in the beginning, right? You can start with like any European country, then yeah. you can at Could least be. avoid the visa issue and stuff.
1: Could be but, Upper uh, Austria, that's like as far as it gets, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Move, moving back home, yeah. Uh,
1: no, but for me, like, I've never been to Upper Austria. Now I'm making, I'm making fun. Uh. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Uh, so well, I think
0: it's, but it, I think it's a big difference if you go somewhere where you cannot travel home all the time, like in Australia, right? You have to stay there, yeah. and you have to find a network and friends and, and people around you there. Uh, or if yeah. you go to Berlin and and fly home every second week, right? I, I think this makes a huge difference actually.
2: I would actually say the the second option, like flying, working in Berlin, and flying home every second week. Is probably gonna or is very likely to piss you off earlier, other than moving totally somewhere else. Because, um, yeah, say so. if you if you if you move to a completely other country and you're like in the worst part, there's a 10 hour time difference between Austria and Sydney. Um, if there's a 10 hour, 10 hour time difference and flying home takes you 24 hours just sitting in a the plane, then uh, y- you really start a, a new life or at least a yeah. part.
1: yeah, um, it's and that's actually,
2: yeah. And, and and that's actually what makes it then enjoyable again because you're no longer dependent on what you had before. Um, but if you move to if you move to Berlin and you're actually flying home every second week then you're kind of living in two places um, because you never fully disconnect from your um, from your old uh, um, like location which doesn't mean that you have to give up like all all of our friendships obviously like every time I come to Vienna which is actually, Roughly every six months, um, I get to see lots of people that I haven't talked to in quite a while. And it's always, I always super enjoyed coming back to Austria.
0: Cool. Any, any other questions, Peter? No, will, you, think, uh, will you pack your stuff and, 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 and go to Australia now?
1: Uh, you know, I was just, just uh, building a house. I will not move anywhere at all, ever. Because it was so much work uh, with my own hands, and um, I will stay here. And,
2: uh, we nope. could use a good facilitator for the code retreat. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> we can. Uh,
1: so you have
0: I 24 can... hours. If you if you if you shift it correctly, maybe you can facilitate three code retreats this year. <laughs> 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 I yeah. think this would be a uh, this would be a first timer. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, I think it's uh, time to wrap up. So thank you, that was a really interesting insight in uh, what it means to move and to take an opportunity.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me again. It was very nice.
0: Then see you next month when we will again team up for another cup of the delicious Developer Meloge.